Hi, everybody. Hey, we are ready to go today. Thank you for joining me. New Hope Radio. We're going to begin a brand new series. Oh, I like this one. I really do. I hope you will, too. Because it has to do with God being an artist. How often do we think of God as an artist? Well, perhaps every time we see a beautiful sunrise, sunset, a beautiful flower, beautiful butterfly. But how often do we think about God's greatest masterpiece? You, the believer in Jesus Christ. What I want you to see in this brand new series that we're beginning today is that you are God's masterpiece. I think of the creation of Adam in the garden. Remember that? I know you weren't there, but we read about it. God formed Adam from the dust of the ground. Actually, did you know the word dust? It really means um, clay. That Adam was formed from the clay of the ground. Obviously, not like dust, but clay. Because you can shape and you can form clay. And that's what Adam was made from. And the ground wasn't living. Therefore, when God shaped and formed Adam, Adam, he wasn't living until God breathed into him his breath, and he became a living soul. Once Adam came alive, he could fulfill his threefold purpose. Number one, communion. What is communion? To share thoughts and emotions. Number two, fellowship. Fellowship is the sharing of experiences. Number three, cooperation. To work together for a mutual benefit. Think about those three things. Communion, fellowship, and cooperation. Wouldn't that make the world a better place if everybody understood, hey, we are here for communion, for fellowship, and cooperation. Oh, that would change everything. Through this process, Adam became even more refined or complete as an individual. Now, let's think about us. At physical birth, we are not in a living relationship with God. But at our spiritual birth, when the breath of God comes into us, that's the Holy Spirit. We come alive to God. And now, we can share that same communion, fellowship, in cooperation with God. And then God begins to refine us, to make us into his masterpiece. And I wonder, do all believers, do they understand that? Do they think that, okay, the work stops at salvation? That once I'm saved, I'm there, I've arrived? That's the starting line. That's the beginning. At that point, You begin a relationship with God, and God goes to work. It's called sanctification, and he makes you into his masterpiece. That's why this series is called God's 
masterpiece. Today we're going to talk about how God prepares his masterpiece. You know, before the masterpiece is completed, there's preparation before the work even begins. Oh, yeah. Like any masterpiece, resources must be collected and prepared before the artist can go to work. Say you're going to make a vessel for the king's table. All right, you're going to make a beautiful vase. Well, you need clay. You need a wooden wheel to spin the clay on. You need some paint. You need people, right, to 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 spin the clay, right? So it's interesting how God prepares his people to be his masterpiece. He collects the resources, and he prepares us through them. Now, here's the question. What are those resources? What are the resources God uses to prepare us and make us into his masterpiece? Well, it's certainly not clay or wood or paint, but rather, here it comes. God uses the trials of life, beginning with the smaller ones and then leading to the larger ones. You know, this message will give us a new perspective on life's difficulties. Because in preparation for us becoming a masterpiece, God collects resources. And he uses the trials of life, beginning with the smaller ones, and then leading to the larger ones. Now, we're going to see how this works in Judges chapter 3. I always try to find a Bible account to support what we say here on New Hope Radio. Judges chapter 3, here's the background. God left five enemy nations in the land of promise. Wow. Israel is in, but they're surrounded by five enemy pagan nations. And why were they there? They were used to test Israel's faithfulness to God. Obedience would bring them peace, but disobedience would bring war. Verse 2 tells us it was also this generation would have to learn war because they never experienced it before. Remember when they came out of Egypt, that first generation, they all died. The second generation went into the promised land and they never experienced war. One commentator said, this was another reason why the Canaanites were left in the land, that the Israelites might not forget military discipline, but habituate themselves to the use of arms that they might always be able to defend themselves against their foes. Because that's the reality of life. The reality of life is that there's good and there's evil. And the good need to defend themselves against the evil. And that's just the way it is. Had they been faithful to God, they would have had no need of learning the art of war. But now, arms became a sort of necessary substitute for that spiritual strength which had departed from them. Were all to turn to God, men need to learn war no more. But because they didn't turn to God, they had to learn to fight. Here's what Israel did. We're in verse 6. And this is what got them into trouble. They took their daughters. In other words, the daughters of the Canaanites the daughters of the pagans, 
and the nations that were around them. They took their daughters for themselves and, and wives, and they gave their own daughters to their sons and served their gods. Oh, they betrayed the Lord. They went after strange gods. They intermarried with strange nations, pagan nations. And the sons of Israel, they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And they forgot the Lord their God. And they served the Baals and the Asheroth. False gods. They get involved in pagan worship. Pagan religiosity. And you know what happened in verse 8? Then the anger of the Lord oh, was kindled against Israel, so that he sold them into the hands of Cushan, Rishthaim, Glad we don't name kids that, like that anymore. <laughs> Kushan Rishathim, king of Mesopotamia. And the sons of Israel served Kushan Rishathim eight years. So God allowed this other pagan nation to dominate them. Israel is now in trouble. God was angry. The Israelites were slaves. God brought them into the land of promise. You know why? To deliver them from the surrounding paganisms. That's why he brought them there. That they would be his people. And he would be their God. It's like when he brings a person into Christ to deliver them from the world. And yet how many Christians today? Yes, they come to Christ, but they keep one foot in the world. And they wonder why they're not fulfilled. And why they're not content. And why they're not, why they're not, here it comes, satisfied with God. You can never be satisfied with God, even as a Christian, when you still have one foot in the world. When the world fills you up, rather than the things of God, you'll never be content with God. So in verse 9, when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, here comes God's mercy and God's grace, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the sons of Israel to deliver them. You know what his name was? Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. So Caleb's younger brother had a son named Othniel. I guess it was his nephew. And the Spirit of the Lord, verse 10, came upon him, and he judged Israel. He became a leader over Israel. When he went out to war, the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, so that he prevailed over him. Then the land had rest for forty years. Othniel became the hero of the day. He became God's masterpiece. That's what he became. What is a masterpiece? A masterpiece, get this now, is the desired result of the master. That's a masterpiece. A lot of folks say, and who am I to dispute it, the Mona Lisa is a masterpiece. She's the desired result of the artist. There are statues that have been sculpted. They would be considered a masterpiece because they are the desired result of the master. The master can step back and say, that's exactly what I wanted. It came out exactly the way that I wanted it 
to come out. It's accomplished. So question then, how did Othniel get to the place where he was the hero of Israel? You know how? He was prepared. That's how. There's always preparation. Remember that. Joshua succeeded Moses, right? In bringing the people into the promised land. Moses led the people out of Egypt, and he led them for 40 years. But he died before they got there. So the baton was handed to Joshua. And Joshua picked up where Moses left off, and he led them into the land. Now Caleb was under Joshua. Verse 14, the Bible says, Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Shishai and Ahiman and Talmai, the children of Anak. So these guys, I think these guys are like giants too. Wow. And then he went up from there against the inhabitants of Debir. And then the, now the name of Debir formerly was Kiriath Sefer. And what do we see here? We see that Caleb became a man of war, and Caleb learned how to fight, and he learned how to drive out the enemies. And then Caleb said, the one who attacks Kiriath Sefer and captures it, I will give him Aksa, my daughter, as a wife. Hmm. Hope she was cute. So Othniel, here he comes. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb. He was, he was kind of like young David. He's like, I'll go after him. I'm not afraid of him. I'm not afraid to fight. I'm not afraid to stand up for what's right. I'm not afraid to serve my God. There was no fear in this guy Othniel. So he went to war, and he captured it. But you see, Othniel became a great judge over Israel. Othniel became a military leader. Othniel became victorious in warfare. And it took the the battles of his life to prepare him for this. See, victory follows battles. No battle, no victory. Think about the battles in our own lives. We don't like them. I don't like them. I don't like the battles in my life. Not one. Hate them all. But without a battle, there's no victory. Without a competition, there's no prize. And just like with the ancient Israelites, God wanted them to learn to defend themselves. Because the world was evil. And we have to learn to defend ourselves spiritually. Because the world is evil. We have to learn how to think. How to think with God. Because He's preparing us to be a beautiful masterpiece. And that's going to take trials and tribulations. And if we can't think with God, we're going to fall off the potter's wheel. The key, you got to stay on the wheel. You can't fall off, you can't jump off. You can't pray. You can't say, oh, pray me off the potter's wheel. Pray me out of the will of God. I don't like what God is doing with me. No, you'll never become that accomplished 
work that God set out to do in you. Never. It's not going to happen. So we have to embrace, and I know it sounds crazy, doesn't it? We have to embrace the trials and tribulations and let them bring the best out of us. And what is the best that's out, that's in us? It's the Spirit of God. The trials and tribulations are intended to bring out God's Spirit that He placed inside of us when we became born of God. So what's the result here? Othniel was faithful in his battle. As a matter of fact, he was prepared for future battles too. Think about that. You win today's battle, and you're ready for tomorrow's battle. And then you fight tomorrow's battle, and you win. And then you're ready for the next one. See, they don't stop. It's not like, oh, I fought my battle, I'm done. I wish. I wish. But and some of you can testify. Man, it's like one battle after another. Some of you, it's two at a time. You know that you're dealing with some real hardship. You're dealing with some things that, man, they look like they're going to overcome you. But this is God's preparation. They will not overcome you. They will not. That's why we're looking at a guy named Othniel. Every battle prepared him for the next one. You know, he also became the very first judge of Israel. Israel didn't have judges to lead them. He was the first one. And then others followed. He also brought 40 years of peace to the land. Think about that. Once he was, once he arrived at the place that God had for him, there was peace. Oh, I like that. There was peace in the land. You think that'll work for us? That if we can arrive at the place God has for us in our spiritual growth and maturity, we can finally have some peace? I think. I think. So think of it. Let's make an application. Today's battles prepare me for tomorrow's battles. It's true. Yesterday's battles prepare me for today's battles. But we can't cut and run. No. You can't cut and run from the battle. You have to be like Othniel. I'll do it. You have to be like David. Where's that loudmouth giant? I'll shut him up. There's some real heroes in the Bible. Deborah, the lady. She went to war. She led the army. That's what we need today. We need some Debras, some Othniels, some Davids. They're willing to stand up for what's right and think with God. See, God prepares his heroes. Heroes just don't materialize. They're prepared. When opportunity comes, he can fit them into their place in a moment at just the right time. And then the world would wonder where they came from. Right? You ever see someone do a great thing and say, wow, where'd they come from? How'd that happen? You know, even young David, he was a young boy. They're like, what? This kid? Where'd he come from? How'd he get so tough and so brave? He's just a little shepherd boy. What's going on here? See, God, when God prepares you, 
and then the opportunity comes for you to step up. And people wonder, wow, where'd you come from? Sometimes we surprise ourselves, don't we? You ever surprise yourself at the wisdom you have from talking to someone or the stamina you have? Don't underestimate yourself. Don't think, oh, I don't have what it takes. You do. And I'll tell you why. God put it in you. You have a treasure in your earthen vessel. So the Bible tells us. I believe the Bible. How about you? So God is, you are complete in Christ, Paul said. You already have it all. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We don't need more power from God. We need to work out what he put inside of us. Sometimes people pray, Oh God, give me more power. Give me more of this, more of that. No, it's all there. We're complete. Work it out. Draw on what God has already placed inside of you. It's like a millionaire with money in the bank. You don't say, I need more money. You draw out of the bank what you've got. Don't be a mother hubbard Christian. What happened to her? Oh, she went to the cupboard. And when she got there, the cupboard was bare. Why? She didn't put anything in. She couldn't draw out. But God has placed everything in you. We can draw out what he's placed inside of us. So let's make an application. I like this story. Let God prepare you through his Holy Spirit and the trials and the tribulations that he brings into your life. Because remember, you've got the dunamis, the power of the Spirit. One poet summed it up like this. Human strength and human greatness spring not from life's sunny side. Heroes must be more than driftwood floating on a waveless tide. See, see, heroes are not pushed around like driftwood. I, I often say, well, not too often, but once in a while, storms make the better sailor. When it's smooth sailing all the time, the sailor really doesn't learn much. He just sits back there, sipping on his pina colada, enjoying the wind. But when the storm comes, oh, now he's got to use everything he knows. He's got to use the rudder, the sails, tip the boat. Oh, he's got to know what to do with that ship. Makes him a better sailor. I'll be honest, it's not easy being prepared to be God's masterpiece. It's not. You think about that pot for the king's table, right? That vase. Uh, the clay has to be worked and shaped and molded. It's put on the wheel and it's spun around. And that's, it's, a, it's at the mercy of the potter. And the potter knows what he wants to do with that clay. And he's going to sand it down smoothly outside. Then he's going to go get the paint. And a lot of the paint in the ancient days was something, a substance that was crushed and they made the paint. And then he put it in the oven. Oh, got to add heat. If you don't add the heat, the pot won't have any strength. You got to put it in the oven. We don't like the oven. <laughs> I don't like the oven. No, God, it's too hot. Turn it down a little, will you? God goes, I can't. If I turn it down, you won't, you won't develop the strength to withstand use. 
I have to turn it up. But remember this. He knows what he's doing. Okay? God knows. He's the potter. He knows what he's doing. And then, when the last finishing touch has been put to it, it will be easy for God to set it on his table or place it on a pedestal for all to see. And you know what he does? He shows it off. What's what's the purpose of a masterpiece? To show it off. To show off the work of the master. To show the master's talent, foresight, ability. It's all about bringing glory to the master. And God is our artist. And you know what? Our lives are all about bringing glory to him. That's the final product. We look beautiful. We're his masterpiece. And he gets the glory. God is glorified in our lives. Oh, it's a hard road. Look at the life of Jesus. Hard road, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. We believe his dad died when he was young. Had to support the family. Then he had a very difficult ministry. Terrible ending to his life. But he glorified his father. And he died for the sins of the world. And he brought new life to all those that believe. It was a rough road. But Jesus accomplished it. And he became God's masterpiece. We're going to come back next time. We're going to take a look at another masterpiece in the making. You know what his name was? Joseph. Oh, remember Joseph? That guy went through it. Mistreatment all the way. But I'll tell you what, you know where he arrived. Oh, yeah. He arrived at the greatest place he, he could ever be. And he would never be there without going through what he went through. Oh, be sure to join me next time. I think we can learn a lot from Joseph. And we're going to tune in and learn how we can apply principles that Joseph did to our own lives as well. Okay? Thank you for coming along today. Hey, you know, you can find all of our messages on the Hope Club podcast. That's all you need to know. The Hope Club podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Type it in online. Anywhere you go. And hear these again and again and again. All right. Thanks for coming along. We'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.